Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. Podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello everybody and welcome along to the bonus coverage for you here on IMSA Radio RSL. RS2 is the channel. Good to have your company whether you're at the circuit or further afield. Speedway, Indiana, the racing capital of the world and IMSA, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just one letter away from IMSA, IMS and IMSA. It goes just so well together. Let's be quite clear about that. Coming up, we have the second free practice for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway 240. Thanks very much to Chris and Alan for uh, taking everybody through the intervening session since we last spoke to you here on IMSA Radio. It's going to be John Hangdorf and Jeremy Shaw in the booth. Shit, Adam is our eyes and ears uh, on the ground in the pit lane. We're on IMSA Radio. It's RS2. And we have got a, a, a session that will take us into, if not the twilight, certainly the gloaming here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it's all live here on RS2. The Michelin Pilot Challenge. On IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Let's head straight down to Shea Adam in the pit line. We've got uh, a couple of three minutes before things get very loud and it's very difficult even to talk to Shay down there in the pit lane. Hello. Uh, hello, love. Um, 41 entries. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, with 27 in Grand Sport. Where are the headlines this week? You and I talked about this on Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday. Um, so where are the headlines in uh, Grand Sport GS here? Well, I'm a little bit confused for uh, one headline that we've just had because there are cars that have left their pit boxes and are rolling down toward the pit exit, but the pit closed light is still on, and there were four cars in line waiting to go out there, and these were not cars that came out from behind the walls. So a little... Uh, a little curious as to what's going on there because uh, Preston is not yet waving a green flag. Um, headlines, championship. That is the focus of this weekend in GS. It is the 72 Murillo racing car of Kenny Murillo and Christian Simchuk leading the way, but now only 10 points behind them. Vin Barletta and Robbie Foley in the number 96 Turner Motorsports BMW. And after a pair of wins in the last two races, all of a sudden, Rebel Rock has rocked right up, and they are in championship mm. contention as well, Robin Liddell and Frank DePew. But we've had a couple additional entries this weekend. I'm sure we'll get to them over the course of this four-hour race. That is important to denote as well. That will be taking place tomorrow evening. And the biggest thing for me, well, a Porsche has transformed into a BMW. Actually, no, they've just yes. gained another one. Uh, that comes from Carbon and their M4 GT4. All of a sudden, we have another splendid-looking BMW, and the line, the queue to go out on track, well, it just keeps growing and growing. Uh, Andy Blackmore 
with that livery for the new carbon. Shit, as far as uh, as far as TCR goes, uh, that is an also impressive fourteen entries. Uh, and again, where are the story lights? Uh, that grid has also grown. We've added two Audi RS3 LMSs this weekend. Go Racing is new to the grid, although they've got quite a bit of racing experience on their driver lineup, uh, Eddie Go being one of their two drivers this weekend. And we welcome back Road Shagger Racing. They won the four-hour race at Daytona to kick things off this year. It's Gavin Ernstone and John Morley once again. That beautiful dark blue monster just glistening with those white headlights uh, staring at me, almost as it sits in the pit lane. Unfortunately, we We've lost two entries. The two from LA Honda World will not be here. That was a very last-minute decision on behalf of the team. But as I understand it, they are aiming to get back for the season finale at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Do we know why that is, Shea? Or is that... Um, they put out a, a tweet earlier on today as the green flag goes out and cars are getting ready to move. In fact, they are moving now. Um, you know, they were quite open about the fact that they weren't going to be here. Um they said extenuating circumstances do we know any more than that we don't but full speculation and this is only speculation it's a brand new car and they got it later on in the series they have had some fairly big accidents with the cars and spare parts from what i hear are at a premium so i would imagine that that is playing some part but again that's just me speculating that's nothing official from the team yeah, okay, that's absolutely fine. Thanks, Shea. We'll speak to Shea in a wee moment or two's time. Just a bit of breaking news uh, coming in since the last time we spoke to you in um, other forms of sports car racing, but we understand that you are uh, sports car fans. If you haven't picked this up, then go to Sports Car 365, the authority on all sports car news. Gustavo Menezes will be parting ways with Peugeot at the end of the season, uh, we're expecting Stoffel van Dorn, their test driver, to take over from Gustavo. No word as to where uh, Gustavo will be heading to at the end of the season. He's been part of that Persia programme for a little while. Um, and, I mean, in fact, he was part of the original lineup, wasn't he, when uh, we were talking about last year, six hours of, of Monza. Uh, and led the 24 Hours of Le Mans earlier on this year. Uh, so we'll find out a little bit more about that, I'm sure, uh, it, by the time we get to Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday. We'll try and find out something. Uh, and whilst we've been away, Riley Dickinson has claimed the eighth pole of the season in the Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup North America. He is uh, he's, has dominated the the championship we'll have both races for you live of the weekend in sound and vision uh, no subscriptions required uh, either uh, for that uh, and uh, with some winners interviews because she's in the pit lane and get used to that because we're going to try and do some winners interviews at well the tech race really going to say and when we do the next couple of rounds which is at Ren Sport and uh, we'll have Peter Mackay on board to help with that as well, and Nick Tandy. So between the four of us, I think we've got enough Porsche knowledge there. As Shea's uh, dad drove works Porsches uh, down through the years. Uh, Peter Mackay's written a book on Porsches. Nick Tandy races Porsches and ra- has a team that races Porsches. And I, oh no, I have raced a Porsche. 
I have my yes, I have raced a Porsche with an endurance race. So it was a Porsche 924, but yes, I have. So we have a bit of Porsche uh, knowledge there. So there'll be lots of number talk uh, at uh, Michelin Raceway. Uh, at Michelin Raceway, at uh, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, for Ren Sport Reunion 7. And uh, that comes up at the end of this month, and you'll be able to see and hear those on RS2. And the rest of the coverage from the weekend is on Motor Trend. Uh, an hour and 15 minutes of this session. Let's bring in Jeremy Shaw. Hello, Jeremy. A beautiful light here. And with sunset, as you've just told me, at just before 8 o'clock local time, we should get some actual proper dark running here. We'll get plenty. Yeah, good evening, uh, everybody. We're going to get plenty of dark, yeah, proper r- nighttime running here because uh, you know, at least the last 15, 20 minutes should be, uh, should be pretty dark out there. And, uh, as we can see right now, shadows very lengthy across the racetrack. It's well, how cool is it to be running around this place uh, in these conditions, in these uh, at this time of day. I think it's fabulous. Just love it. It looks stunning. Uh, it's been a beautiful day in Indianapolis as well. Uh, and so, yeah, what could be better? All is well with the world, is it not? I uh, totally agree. Totally agree with that. And uh, this is the second of the, of the uh, for this weekend if it, Intermission and Pilot Challenge uh, the uh, IMS 240 that tells you what you need to know, That is this is the second of the long races uh, for this season and the teams love this the teams absolutely, absolutely love this, sometimes you add a bit of time on and the teams will grumble a bit not in Mission and Pilot Challenge, they love their two four hour races Jeremy they do. They're always a highlight. Um, I mean, the racing in this series this season has been absolutely sensational. Uh, and uh, the, the race at Daytona start of the season was was, uh, was solid as well. You know, I mean, the, the cars are so closely matched. We've seen uh, you know, a bunch. Of, it's it's. I mean, as Shay would say, the last two races have been won, won by the Chevrolet Camaro Rebel Rock Racing, and that car is certainly very, very strong. Uh, there's been a few balance of performance tweaks to some of the cars this weekend, not including, surprisingly, the Chevy. Uh, but uh, look, we've seen some fantastic racing, and and all of these teams and drivers. Yeah, we've got uh, 40, 41 cars here this weekend. As Shay was uh, alluding to, we've lost two LA Honda World cars, which is a shame. But we've got several other people coming out of the woodwork this weekend. Uh, and a really, really strong field, and it's because of the allure of racing here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Who wouldn't want to do that? So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of excitement about this event. Has been in the lead up to it. Uh, we've already had one practice session today. It was the the Porsche of Stephen McAleer that was fastest. That's the kind of a 28, the RS1 Porsche 718 GT4, 129.683 is the benchmark time that we're going to be looking at, and. Stephen was uh, almost a half a second clear of the similar car of Michael Cooper. That's the accelerating performance entry, car number 44. Uh, and interestingly, that number 44 team was an Aston Martin a couple of races ago, and that has migrated to being a Porsche recently. And also, uh, the Porsches uh, have uh, you know, certainly seem to be a lot more competitive over the last couple of weekends than they were a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, we've still got... Uh... Porsches, Mercedes, Chevrolets, BMWs, Aston Martins, Audis, uh, in terms of the, uh, the TCRs, uh, Ford in, in GS, uh, Toyota. McLaren. A McLaren, yes. I saw plenty of variety. 
And for me, Jeremy, that is one of the joys of, of this Michelin Pilot Challenge series. The cars, whilst obviously built into race cars, they still very closely resemble their showroom, uh, showroom cousins. Uh, there's not the huge aerodynamic accoutrement on the cars in the uh, Super goes long at Turn 1, but stays on the track. And, and you can kind of say that this is the sort of aspirational car that we'd all like to have the money in our pockets to, to wander down the local dealer by and, and drive it out on the street. Yeah, I mean, you know, these cars are, are, are not far removed from their road-going brethren at, at all. They certainly have a, a lot of, uh, share a lot of traits with them, and uh, they are popular. As you say, we've got eight different manufacturers who are represented here this weekend. Uh, five of them have won races already wow. this season, uh, and uh, yeah, no one has won more than twice. Uh, there's been two Mercedes wins, two BMW wins, and wow. two Chevrolet wins. Uh, and then of uh, the other eight races, uh, we've had uh, Toyota... Uh, and, and Ford out front, and you know, all except for McLaren have had a podium finish, but they had a really strong run last time out with that new McLaren Artura GT4, that's the MIA team, most put in action from Canada. Uh, they had some difficulty towards the end of that race last time out at VIR, but they were running very competitively for quite a long portion during that race, uh, and it's, you know, it's the first season for that car, and, and you know, kind of knocking on the door, I think, now. This morning, where was it in the practice session? It was... It was you. Where was it in this morning's practice session? You know, it was, it was seventh, seventh position for Jesse Lazaro. So, uh, you know, in the mix, very much so, within uh, within a second of the front running time. So, yeah. it, it, it's it's that it's so competitive this series, and it just provides some fantastic racing action. I I think this four-hour race on uh, tomorrow Saturday evening um, is going to be one of the highlights of the weekend. I really do. I think these cars, the TCRs and the GT4s, are well suited to this circuit uh, and to the way the circuit's laid out. Multi-class racing works well here. And I like this idea of running into the darkness. Now, I suspect that next year um, this won't be the Saturday night race. I think the IMSA WeatherTech race will be the Saturday night race next year. I'm saying that right now. And um, I have nothing other than gut feeling uh, on that and the fact that John Doonan won't tell me whether it is or it isn't so that kind of tells me there's something going on uh, and well, it is going to be an endurance race isn't it so. uh, yeah it is going to be the fifth of the uh, Michelin endurance cup races and I just think it won't be the Saturday afternoon I uh, the Sunday afternoon I think for WeatherTech next year it will be Saturday night in into the dark uh, this, effectively this session uh, is, is a test for tomorrow and tomorrow is a test for next year in terms of network television Roger Penske wants network television Roger Penske will get network television next year for the big show and I, I absolutely think that that's where we're moving to and fair play to John Doon and, and Imza for identifying that opportunity with this venue um, and and being able to execute on that and, and make it make it work. Uh, it's very cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah very it really cool. Is cool. I mean, yeah, the only other time IMSA has raced here was back in 2014, which is the first year of the uh, the convergence between IMSA and Grand Am. I uh, haven't been here since. 
Uh, there was a couple of years before that, the Grand Amateur as well. They're here yeah. in, 12, in 2012, 13, and 14. But the only time IMSA has been here is, is 14. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's been talk on and off since then about coming back here, and particularly after Roger took over the, the, yeah. the track. Uh, what was that a couple of years or so ago? So yeah, I think it's yeah he's wanting it to happen. When, when Roger, Roger wants something to happen, it generally happens, doesn't it? Uh, and, speaking, and, you yes. know, it's, it's brilliant for sports car racing. If sports car racing, you've been talking about John. It's it's so much on the rise right now. Totally. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I, I think this is the track is. Uh, is it a great layout for sports car racing? Well, we're going to find that out. But yes. uh, it's certainly an interesting layout. And you know, the drive. It's, there's no elevation change here, sure, but it's still a challenging racetrack. And we saw that, didn't we, uh, in the first free practice session for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship with a, a number of, uh, in some cases, very experienced drivers in IMSA who perhaps haven't raced the particular cars here, having issues at Turn 1, at, at Turn 12, uh, and also at Turn 5, 6 and 7 uh, in different ways. And... You know, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate. I've seen multi-class sports car racing here, albeit all Porsches. Um, in the Porsche Sports Car Together Festival last year. And it's, I think it raced rather well. And, and I think it will continue to race well uh, for this weekend. Uh, one of the people that I remember watching, Tom Collingwood, uh, is down with uh, Shea Adam. In the pit lane right now, Shane. Tom, the four-hour race that started off the year went pretty well for you and Spencer Pompelli. Vaulted you guys well up in points. You're still in the top five of this championship. And with the second-place finish in the four-hour at Daytona, how important is it to get a first place here in the four hours at Indy? You know, like a four-hour race, we definitely want to win because, like, I guess four hours are our thing, especially with the Porsche Cayman. It can really last the four hours and even though with the slight BOP disadvantage it can do well in a four-hour race uh we had unfortunate luck in two races this year so still being the top five is fantastic all the more reason we really would just like to win as opposed to finish out anywhere in the championship we just want to have fun and get a win basically is what we're looking for you had Jerome Blake Mullen in the car with you at Daytona. Now he's in another car racing against you. Did you find someone else of his caliber to throw in the car with you and Spence? We decided to put the team owner in uh, because he drives a desk a lot and we like to take him out and have some fun. And this was a way that we could all have some fun and he, and he could still drive. So we really wanted him to come in and be our, you know, our second driver. Yeah. Good luck getting that win this weekend. Thank you very much. Uh, and Shea, just before you disappear, got a question here and it's a great yes. question from Marty Z who says, um, I'd like to know from the drivers who haven't been here before, when does the giddiness end in terms of racing on such an historic track? Uh, and when do you have to get down the business? That's a great question. So next time you speak to a rookie, can you can you ask that for Marty Zine for us, please? I can ask that of a rookie and I can ask that of a veteran. I'll uh, try and find one of each. Sounds good. I like that. Thank you, Shea. Shea Adam down in the pit lane for us here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway at RSL underscore studio if you want to join in the conversation, whether you're at the circuit or further afield. Coming up to hot last midnight, welcome to Saturday morning if you're in the UK uh, and Europe. Late afternoon here at Indy and 
been a lovely day. Sunshine, uh, air temperature still 24 Celsius, which is 75 Fahrenheit, 81 on the track, which is 27. So still pleasant for race cars, Jeremy, and that's the key thing here. It's been such a lovely day today. The temperature will be holding in particularly the darker sections uh, of the racetrack here. And whilst some of it is in shade now, that this is a pretty good time to have racing engines and racing tyres out doing their thing. Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, I whenever I've done long-distance races, I just love this time of night. When the, when the sun goes down, it gets cooler. Uh, everything, work, everything works better, including, my, in my case, my brain. No <laughs> doubt about it. I, I love driving overnight in any case. But yeah, I tell you what, we had a, a really good view there as uh, that uh, carbon BMW, as it is now, number 39 car, will be shared, as usual, by Sean McAllister and Jeff, Jeff Westwood, also joined this weekend by the youngster Nolan Siegel, who's got a busy weekend ahead of him. He's driving also in the uh, WeatherTech race on Sunday, the uh, recently crowned Indy Next by Firestone Rookie of the Year. Uh, but as we went into Turn 12, uh, you could see that the sun was really, really low in the sky, just above the height that the grandstand in, it was one to turn one on the oval, uh, but turn 12 on the road course coming in to, towards it. And visibility there really, really tricky at this stage. I mean, uh, as that sun goes down just uh, before it hop, uh, pops behind the grandstand, really, really difficult. Here's an onboard here, maybe you can see uh, this is on board the Aero Cumber 13 Ford Mustang. If he comes out of turn 11 here, he is directly into the sun. And obviously the glare on the windshield doesn't help, but I tell you what, visibility in the car won't be much better than that either. And it's going to stay that way probably for the next, what, 15, 20 minutes or so. It's time now, 4.31. Set, sunset to 4.56, I think, I think I said it was. So, uh, yeah, really, really tricky there. And you know, when you're dicing with other cars around you, he was on his own there on that lap, which you'd be grateful for. But to, when you're trying to you know, make passes there on other cars or other faster cars coming up behind you, Really, really tricky. It's the only point on the track that, that we have that problem here at Indianapolis because all the other corners are, are either in shade or going away from the sun. Yeah, good point. Very good point. So what do you do? Do you stop? Do you have uh, a clear visor with a stripe on the top, or do you have a dark visor that you only have part way down, or do you just have one of those full face helmets that? And I've got a, like a visor with a drop down bit of 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 darker version that I can throw on the front of my RI. That is, that's, yeah. a, that's a really interesting and it's going to be problematical for the drivers who do the transition in the race tomorrow, Jeremy, isn't it? You've got to, you've got to get that visor choice. There's no point in having a black visor that you can't see anything through if you're driving in the darkness. Yeah, I mean, I never liked smoke visors in any case. I always liked a clear visor personally, but that's a, you know, that's a driver preference. And uh, certainly it, 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 it is an issue because, uh, you know, you've, you've got to pay, as you, before you go into that momentary blindness, you've got to be paying attention to exactly what is directly ahead of you on the racetrack. And hope that nothing unforeseen comes up there because it really is, you're probably not going to see it. Chad McCumbie has got a dark visor on that he is flicking up and down at various parts of the circuit in the number 13. Uh, that's the, uh, the number 13 uh, for Mustang that he shares with Jensen Altsman. Uh, I've got to say hello to Valentin Hasaklot. 
for Vandister Racing, being supported, as you might imagine, as an Aston Martin driver by Sarah Rigby, who is up in crew in the north northwest, joining Austin McCusker in that number nine Aston, uh, number 19, Aston Martin, Sarah uh, uh, and Aston Martin Superfan. Now, um, she is getting ready for a big trip to Spa for the ELMS uh, uh, for uh, not this weekend but next weekend so that's uh, all going to be very exciting for her and Martin and we wish you all the best on that one uh, Sarah enjoy the trip through Belgium and make sure you fill the car up with lots of yumpty stuff in the supermarkets of Belgium and uh, and France on the way back uh, Shea Adam is our eyes and ears down in the pit lane as we mentioned earlier on we've got 55 minutes to go where are you Shea? With one of the veteran drivers reuniting with his championship cohort, Robin Liddell and Andrew Davis are names that just go together. And Andrew, you're back now. You're going to cry this one in the last two races. How excited are you for the prospects here at Indy? Oh, it's, it's so exciting. I, I'm, I get excited watching, you know, Frank and Robin do their thing. And, uh, you know, obviously harkens back to all the, the times I've watched Robin finish out the stints when I'm starting. Uh, but then, uh, you know, to get this opportunity to get back in the Rebel Rock Racing Camaro, uh, it just it means a lot. I love the fact uh, and very honored that that Frank and Robin continue to give me this opportunity. And trust me, uh, you know there's uh, there's a lot on the line. But uh, you know we know we know how to win. Robin and I will know how to win together. Frank and Robin know how to win together. This team knows how to win. So uh, yeah, it's just it's really really nice. And also, you know, being the uh, the last two races for the Camaro, it's nice to have one last go in it. That's true. You've got a lot of history with that car and the brand in particular, so that is a nice little bow on it. I, uh, well, bow. I didn't even mean to make that fun. Um, in terms of drive time, though, it complicates things a little bit, but it keeps you guys fresher at the end of the race. So how is that going to be an advantage over the two-driver lineups? Well, as most people know, you know, uh, even a tired Robin Liddell is pretty hard to keep behind you or catch. So uh, my job really is to to, uh, is to keep him a little fresher. So sorry to everybody else in the field, but you'll have a, a hopefully a slightly fresher Robin for that last final stint. You know, uh, Frank's going to do his job at the beginning like he has been all year. I'll get in and run my middle stint, and, uh, and then we'll hand the car off to uh, to, you know, to the finisher there and, uh, and and have a good time watching. We had a question on Twitter that was directed towards newbies coming to Indy, but for someone who's a veteran who's raced here so many times, when does the awe rub off? Does it finally wear off of racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Uh, no, it never does. It's Indianapolis. So every time you drive under that tunnel and you come in here and you see this, it's, this is hollowed grounds for motorsport worldwide. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to have my name on a list of drivers that have driven here and won here and raced here. So it's uh, uh, not unlike Daytona. The history there just makes it a very, very special place. Enjoy this race in the Camaro. I know you will, and good luck. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Shea Adam with Andrew Davis back with the 71 Urban Grade Rebel Rock Racing. Uh, Shea, one thing um, that you might want to ask just before you disappear, is, is whether Andrew's going to qualify and start that guy in the four hours and then have Frank do the, the middle section and and Robin is the closer, as he said there. We, that's kind of what we would expect for Robin. But there's a little bit, Jeremy, of a little bit more strategic freedom here in the four-hour race. In the two-hour races, it tends to be the... Um, the bronze driver who will qualify and start and then the pro driver who finishes. Don't have to do that here. 
You don't, no. Uh, you, you can pull it either way, and there's, there's pros and cons to both uh, ways to look at it. I mean, look, it, it is a four-hour race, so it, even if you get it wrong earlier on, uh, you, you, you're not, you, you've got plenty of time to make it up again. Uh, but this is a, you know, it's a fairly short track. It's only it's a minute and a half. So, uh, you know, to stay on the lead lap, that's going to be the challenge, of course, yeah. for Frank Pugh. Uh, you know, he doesn't have anything like the amount of experience as, uh, as Robin or, or Andrew. Uh, so, uh, you know, do you put him into the start and then, and then have Andrew drive the middle stint and then Robin finish? Or do you try and get Andrew up front early on, run strongly in the early stages? Have Frank have do his stint at some stage in the middle? And this is a full course caution at some stage. There's plenty of leeway for him to hop in then. Uh, or, you know, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play that. Certainly at Daytona early in the season, we saw uh, several different teams opting to put their second kind of pro driver in for the first stint, then have their bronze, uh, you know, lesser experienced driver in, in, in at some stage during the middle portion of the race, and then the, uh, the, 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 the top pro, the, the regular season pro, to, to finish it off as usual. I suppose it depends when you think you might have a full course <laughs> caution or not. NV Autosport, which is one of the bronze cup car, Stephen Verger and Drew Nobuyer, uh, the man from Tesket. Now, I think that might be the only bronze cup car this weekend. Yes, it is. Uh, has had a bit of an issue. This is the uh, Shades of Blue Mustang, and Tony has the red flag out. Uh, fair play to Preston in the earlier sessions, by the way. He had the blue flag in his hand pretty much all the time on the start stand and was just, yeah. just uh, waving it consistently. So this is the number 79 car that we're talking about. And Ford getting ready to explode. I mean, they've, they've had a... They've had a presence in IMSA for a couple of three years now. Uh, but getting ready to explode into action with IMSA with a new GT3 car that will come next year, which will also be doing the World Endurance Championship and therefore going to Le Mans in the hands of TF Sport. Uh, we've got the new Ford Mustang Cup, which is the Dark Horse R, which is going to be uh, on the championship as well. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that next season. And still waiting for details on uh, where uh, that will be, where that will turn up. And uh, certainly not going to be right at the start of the season because they're busy building those cars. Mid-Ohio, the debut for that particular championship in a weekend for IMSA that will showcase the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. That will be the headline race as IMSA goes back to uh, Mid-Ohio after uh, a year's uh, sojourn. And looking forward to that. And hopefully, as I say, we will be talking about that when we get to next year. Uh, 49 minutes still to go. And camping on the infield. Plenty of uh, excitement down there. I know we're not going to fill the, the grandstands. And that's not what this event is all about. But a great community spirit already. Lots of the... Uh, Radio Show Limited Collective out there at the moment who've driven in from various parts uh, of the country. So hello to all of you and thank you for, for joining us here at the uh, joining us here at the in, in Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
It's coming on the infield back in 2014 in very limited numbers, but not what we've done here. This is the first time the whole of the infield has been opened up. And it's RS1 and the 718 Porsche, Eric Figueras, who they, uh, who is topping the times at the moment from the number 57, Bryce Ward in second for Winwood Racing. Uh, they've had a uh, they've had a great season in some respects, bad in others. Certainly the GT3 car in IMSA hasn't done well, but uh, Bryce thought that we thought they got across the line, didn't we? Uh, in uh, in Canada was that? No, that was in Road America. Did uh, win at Detroit though. Yeah, yeah, did win at Detroit. Um, absolutely, and uh, second in Laguna as well. I think the Artura is third. Yep. Uh, third was it? Yeah, uh, BMW. So Porsche, Mercedes, McLaren, BMW, Aston, Aston, Porsche, BMW, Porsche, BMW for your top ten. And if you don't mind, that's all within a second, Jeremy. Is that all right, or do you want them a bit closer? Yeah, no, that's 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 fine for now. You know, Play <laughs> time to go. We've still got we're, we're still what forty five minutes or more remaining in this session, so it'll get closer than that, I would think. And uh, yeah, great fun. Very cool. And uh, good to see Reardon racing back here as well. Vesco Kozarov, which is from Bulgaria, but based in Salt Lake for many, many years, out at, uh, what's it called now, that place? Utah Motorsports. Utah Campus or Com- something. Campus. Campus, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's changed names a few times over the years. Miller Motorsports Park, where it used to be. Uh, but, uh, yeah, good to see you back here with, with Jake Peterson, who's also driving, of course, in the Porsche Carrera Cup this weekend as well. Youngster from... Um, from that part of the world, although he's, a, he's actually a bon- uh, Jake Peterson, he's a, a, a musician student in Boston. Yeah. Uh, we must find out what instrument he plays. See if we can add him to the IMSA band. We really do need to have an end of season um, IMSA band. There's a few people who are very good musicians, and uh, maybe at the Night of Champions we could um, have a little musical section. Uh, in TCR, it's Harry Godsacker and the Hyundai Elantra number 33 that leads from Rockwell Autosports. Eric Rockwell just got out in that car. That's the number 15 Audi. Then the Alfa Romeo Giulietta Veloce TCR. They've just got out. Roy Block's in that car. That's the one that doesn't look like anything else. A lot of the TCRs look kind of similar. Not, not with the Alfa. The Alfa is... Completely and utterly alpha. Probably say that about the the Honda as well. Actually, that looks a little bit different. Um, and delighted to say that although we haven't got the LA Honda World Cars, the new uh, LA Honda World Cars, we have got the uh, FK7 from Hart Auto Development, and that is a good-looking car as well. But there's no mistaking that black and gold. Uh, Julietta just going across the line now and starting, Jeremy, as you suggested it might, starting with the, this time of the year, the sun doesn't take that long to drop, starting to see the headlights making a difference around the circuit and we'll see that infield lighting as well one of the investments that Roger Penske and the Penske organisation have made, that's going to start uh, to show its worth in the next 15 minutes or so yeah, it is, isn't it? And, and this this Alpha, this this is one of the cars that uh, 
Daytona in the other four-hour race earlier this season, the, that car was uh, qualified and started by Tim Lewis Jr. Yeah. Then Ryan Block drove the middle stages, uh, and then uh, Tim took over again for the for the uh, as the closer there uh, in that first race of the season. And uh, you know, they they, uh, they had some dis yeah, well they retired towards the end of that race, but uh, that Alpha has won three times this season. It's the only car in this whole championship that's won three races this season. Of course, they had their share of bad luck as well, but so not out of championship contention just yet. They're still running in fourth position with these final two races of the season remaining. And they go very well. That car goes very well at Michelin Raceway at Road Atlanta. It's a bit of an unknown quantity here because these TCRs haven't raced here before in IMSA spec. But at Road no. Atlanta, that Alpha is quick. That's right. And uh, yeah, the, uh, again, it was the... Uh, the Mr. Park Challenge hasn't been here before, but the uh, Continental Series was here a few years in uh, uh, in the uh, early 21, 2100s, um, and, but the Alpha wasn't part of it then. Of course, more was TCR. It was, it was GS and G ST back ST, in those yeah. days, and again on a slightly different uh, track layout as well. Yeah, TCR has uh, really flourished in the last season and a half, two seasons. Uh, there are, I think mid to late teens of manufacturers who have TCR cars around the world and it has been a major success it's done for touring car racing really what uh, GT4, GT3 has done for GT racing uh, and I know that the World Touring Car Series is going through a little bit of a hiatus at the moment um, there isn't a World Touring Car Championship at the moment, but local championships with these TCR cars work really well indeed. And there's a World Rankings Series of TCR, which works uh, more with drivers rather than the manufacturers. And uh, that's an idea that's uh, kind of caught on, actually. And uh, I'm interested to see how that comes to fruition at the end of this season and who's fighting out for, for that title but here in IMSA these cars have as the GT4, the GS cars have got a little bit quicker, they've been allowed to have a little more power uh, they were slightly turned down in the early couple of years but they've been gradually given a bit more power back and into the pit lane comes the number 98 Hyundai Elantra Interesting to see here, John, isn't it, that uh, in some of the races you see TCR cars really fast compared to the GS, but even at VIR, yeah. some, the, some of the TCR cars were really fast there in, in overall terms. Here, not so much. Uh, the, the, the best placed TCR car in the overall field in, the, in this morning's practice session was only 27th, which is um, a, a change to norm, almost three seconds slower than the fastest of the GS cars. Uh, but uh, somebody going through the escape road. Let's see, is it the. That's that new colour scheme for the number 21. Oh, no, number 21. Oh, yeah. right, so it is, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's kind of cool, isn't it? That is the Raiden Racing Vesco uh, Kozarov behind the wheel of that car, sitting in 24th position at the moment. Green front of that car, sort of grey midsection. Uh, yeah. Porsche Cayman GT4, red. Very nice dark red um, dormers on that car, I noticed as well when we were looking at that earlier on. And uh, they sort of. Um, multicolored down the side. Multicolored. On one yeah. side, yeah. On one side. 
the other side uh, is all black, isn't it? That's interesting. As my uh, so father would have said, it's not pretty, but it uh, confuses the witnesses. Uh, except, <laughs> uh, except this it is, is pretty, isn't it? It is pretty. Yes, I'd, great, I'd have argued with the old man about that, and I'd, I didn't argue with me dad about very much, to be honest. But um, I, I understand what he's saying. It is an asymmetric colour scheme. So down the left-hand side, it's green and black as a sort of uh, fade colour. And on the right-hand side, dark blue, actually. is it dark blue? Is it all right? I'm not sure. Uh, it is. Uh, it is the green, and then shades of red, yeah, orange, and yellow as it goes uh, to the back. Final warning: track limits for the number seventy-four car. Now, who's in that at the moment? That's Jordan Wisely uh, in that hundred. Hyundai Elantra, so we'll have to keep a word on that. There's a little bit of a contact at turn one, and the number 92 BMW has gone around. This is the uh, V-Brick sponsored car, the green and white car, and uh, that has regained the circuit. Got a little bit of a tap, that car. We'll keep an eye on, well, let's see what started all that. Which we can do, yeah. That was a little dink by the Mercedes number 27 as it turned in. That being driven by Scott Andrews for Lone Star Racing. He knows better than that, Scott. I think he'd be disappointed with himself there. Well, I, I tell you, what, I mean, he's he's probably double duty this weekend as well, isn't he? Yeah. For the first time in a while, Scott Andrews. He's driving for Lone Star Racing, not only in this car here, the Mercedes AMG GT4 car. Uh, but also making the, the, the team's return to the IMSA WebTech Sports Car Championship with the same co-driver in the GT3 car. So, you know, those two, two cars, there's a lot of similarities in the, in the ergonomics of the car, certainly, but driving a little bit different, you can certainly break a, a little bit deeper with the GT3 car than you can with the GT4. Yeah. So maybe that caught him out a, bit, a little bit there. Random, that random vandals yeah. the BMW, the green and white BMW, Paul Sparta, and uh, Kenton Cook, they had a really strong run. They had a couple of strong runs, but uh, they've not done all the season. But very, very strong at VAR. But that was when the cars got penalised after the race uh, and was uh, was put to the back. I think it was um, I think it was Tr- wide height. It was wide height uh, discrepancy. Trying to get no. the Sheer down in the pit lane because she's got an interview. Sheer, excuse me, but we have got uh, a problem for the number 10, Rockwell. Uh, Geronimo Guzman. Uh, behind the wheel of that car, sitting in 11th in TCR, but he's managed to get it behind the wall. That's good news. We'll keep an eye on that. And Cher, who are you with down in pit lane? I'm with someone who's an expert on talking about Mercedes braking in GT3 to GT4 cars because, Danny Morad, you've done that very successfully in both. And before I get into that, I just want to talk about being back at Indianapolis Motor Speedway because the last time you were here, you got to kiss the bricks. So is this like a, a tradition? Every time you come here, you get to kiss them, or do you have to earn it every time? It's definitely something you have to earn, um, but it is a nice feeling. The, the bricks do taste a little funny. A little bit of oil with a pinch of salt. Um, no, I don't. I really, I, to be honest, I'm kind of like a germ. Like I don't really like germs, so I didn't actually put my mouth on the bricks. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we could try it this time if we're lucky enough to to be victorious. But no, I love this place. I told you before we were on the air. 
It's a track that on paper looks really boring, but it actually is really, really nice to drive. There's a good rhythm to it. You have the whole first sector that connects from turn one all the way through turn six, and then you have a quick breather going into turn seven, then it all connects, and it's just one after the other after the other, and it's actually a lot more physically demanding than you think because it's constantly bending back and forth. So it's kind of split up into three really nice sections, and obviously I like this place because I've won here, so it holds a special place in my heart. Well, yeah, to follow up on that, it was the win in the eight-hour race last November, uh, October, so still fairly fresh in your mind. But coming in, driving the GT4 car now, talk us through a little bit about what Scott Andrews would have been experiencing because you're saying the braking in the Mercedes requires such a finesse and a, a perfect mesh to get it right every time. Yeah, well, you see Scott just said, uh, hold my drink. I'm going to full send it down the inside. Uh, obviously a sippy cup, apple juice. Um, <laughs> it is tricky. The, the GT3 brakes, I feel, are a lot more consistent in terms of the stopping power. But with GT4, it all depends on how you ramp the, the pedal in and how you squeeze up to that peak pressure. If you go too aggressively, then the front tire is not really loaded. So it doesn't stop that well. It goes immediately into ABS. Um, and I think in that situation, when you're overtaking, you just tend to push the brake pedal a little bit harder. and. What you saw is just the, the weight not transferring on that front tire quick enough, lack of downforce, GT4 to GT3, and it just doesn't stop. So it's just something that we, that's something I've had to adjust to. It's something that's very apparent in big brake zones like Detroit this year. It was so touch and go. You had to really be on top of it when, when there's bumps involved, and it can get quite bumpy into turn one and turn seven. So uh, that's something we'll have to watch out for, especially with TCR traffic this weekend. You mentioned Detroit, so now on to happier things. Windward Racing, victorious in Detroit. This season has not been a championship season for you guys, though. At this point, are you just looking at race win at Indy, race win when we get to Road Atlanta? Yeah, we're racing for wins at this point. It's a, it's a shame that uh, Road America was taken from us just to clear up uh, any you know miscommunications. We were actually completely fine on fuel we pumped out more than enough even with the 0.4 liters that we were over capacity so in my eyes it was a really nice performance and win or not i'm so proud of what the guys did and um and you know we've learned our lesson obviously there's a lot of variables in play with temperature in the fuel cell so that's something that we've uh, taken note of and we won't make that mistake again but, um, yeah, I mean, we're here for race wins, and Bryce is working so hard. The team is dialed in. I can tell you, Bryce is the hardest-working 65-year-old in the paddock anywhere in the world because he's on the sim with me every single week, and the entire Moradness M Squad sim racing team, we're working. 30 of us are, are together, and actually what's really cool is Bryce invited all the sim racers that have been helping him this year to drive the GT4 cars at the end of the season, so... It's going to be an incredible opportunity for these guys. And I'm so, honestly, I'm honored to be part of this Windward organization. And it's just so nice what Bryce offered these guys. This is such a great family. Uh, as you can hear in the background, we've gone to a red flag situation. I'm not sure if it's to retrieve the strand at number 10. Uh, but the Rockwell Autosport development car has had fuel pickup issues in the past. It plagued them twice at VIR. So I'll wander down to the pit box and see if it's uh, an issue continuing on. Daniel, thank you for a few minutes. Enjoy it when it gets dark out there. Oh, I'm going to enjoy it. I might have a sandwich or two this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel Morad, who won here in Formula BMW in 2007, says, Jeremy, he gave me that. I 
Honestly, honestly, no. You knew that would have to come from Jeremy uh, or Shay. Ah, yes, the old weight versus volume issue as far as uh, fuel is concerned and the difference because of temperature uh, cost Ben Keating uh, a Le Mans victory uh, and the guys at Wynwood their victory at uh, at uh, um, Watkins Glen of course uh, we've got our AMR safety team down at the number 10 Rockwell Audi and that is going to get a tow and it'll flat tow so that's fine so that'll be away pretty quickly as we are moving into the last half an hour or thereabouts, a little bit over. Uh, and we have a McLaren at the top of the, ta- the Times, Jeremy Shaw, the Mia McLaren and Jesse Lazar. Yeah, indeed. That We talked about that car a little while ago, saying it's been uh, competitive the last couple of races. And sure enough, uh, Jesse steps up to the plate there and goes to the top of the charts here in this session. We're what, about halfway through or so, are we? 31 minutes remaining, 43 gone, 31 minutes remaining. Uh, 129.484, which is about two-tenths of a second quicker than Stephen McAleer managed in the first practice session this morning. So uh, right now, Jesse is about two-tenths ahead of that same car. It's uh, been driven now by Eric Filgaris, the uh, second-place car for RS1, the Porsche. But, yeah, very cool there to see that McLaren up front. And by the way, that uh, going back to 2007, the other race that weekend, there were two races on, on that weekend uh, at Indianapolis in, in Formula BMW. The other race was one by Esteban Gutierrez, who's still around uh, doing uh, racing at uh, a pretty high level, isn't he? And Alexander Rossi was in that field. We finished uh, fourth in one of the races. And so also racing here this weekend, who was in part of that field, was Sebastian Svedra, who's back again here in the uh, in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo this weekend with the Ansa Motorsports team. Uh, Useless information? No, no, that, I love that. That It's really interesting, isn't it, to see, Jeremy, where the, you know, the class of dot, 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 year... Yes where they dissipated to and, and where, you know, some of the guys will have continued in single-seaters, some of the guys will have disappeared, some of the guys have ended up in sports cars, some of the guys have been to single-seaters and then come to sports cars, some of the guys have gone to sports cars and then gone to single-seaters. It's, I always yeah. think that's really interesting to see. And that pathway nowadays is probably less well-defined than it's ever been because manufacturers take drivers who have been solidly GT drivers, and all of a sudden, they're in a prototype car. Um, and, yeah. you know, because they've got the, the, the manufacturer relationship. So it's, it's not the same as it used to be, where it used to be karting Formula Ford 600, uh, 1600, Formula Ford 2000, uh, British F3, International um, Formula 3000, and, you know, that was, your, that was your career path, wasn't it, if that's what you want to do? It's not as clear-cut anymore now. It isn't. And uh, even though most of those steps, steps are still there, and Formula Ford remains, from my, from my, uh, from my perspective, the best value for money for, for yeah. youngsters to start out their careers. Uh, this, uh, you know, racing costs a lot more on the other levels nowadays. That's the other big difference. Hey, just, just go back to that 2007 again. Um, that, that same season in the open wheel ranks in this country, uh, Joel, uh, Ricky Taylor was... was uh, driving in the, in the um, Skip Barber National Series as it was then. He finished second to Joel Miller, who's also driving this weekend. Stephen McAleer was in that field. 
uh, and sixth place in the championship that year was a guy called Joseph Newgarden. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's done all right. Yeah, he's done all right. Sixth place in that championship, was he that yeah. year? Yeah, that was his, he was he was very young then. He was that was the year before he won the Team USA scholarship. It was basically as a result of his success in that. Um, and it's not always the championship. That's a good point because it isn't always the championship winners, of course, who progress. Sometimes it is, but motorsport is a is a cruel sport because it's not always just talent. Talent will get you so far, but ultimately you're going to need if you're moving on. For example, I was talking to Augusto Farfus uh, at Spa last week. And the year that he won the European Formula 3000 Championship, which I think it was 2003, 2002, 2003, Jimmy Bruni came second. And Bruni went on to Formula 1 and Augusto Farfus couldn't get a drive the next year and ended up driving in touring cars. And that was the start of his, his um, uh, tin-top career, effectively, because he didn't have a choice, because, you know, that that was the only drive he was offered. It's a, it's a funny old sport, this, at times, isn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, very much so. It's it, Nothing is predictable in motor racing, is it? Um, and uh, you, know, you never can uh, tell what where your career is going to go. Well, look at this. 33 car's a great example here. Look at that. Robbie Wickens, he, he also signed off in BMW. Yes. Formerly BMW. Uh, that car running, running a different uh, livery this weekend as well, isn't it? Number 33 car. Yes, I've noticed that. White and uh, yellow. Which is, yeah, which is, uh, which is uh, very cool. There's so is another another charity um, initiative there that uh, that this team has got behind. A very uh, special cause. Uh, the Hyundai Hope on Wheels is uh, is. Uh, a non-profit that's committed to finding a cure for childhood cancer oh, and that's the, the main reason that this uh, this number 33 car is carrying that, that colour scheme this weekend that's a car driven by Harry Gottsecker and Robbie Wickens they, sh- they lead the championship coming to his final two race got a 50 point lead over, over Chris Miller and Mikey Taylor who drive the number 17 Audi this weekend and it's the Audi that won the most recent race at BIR Harry, Harry and Harry Gottsacker and Robbie Wickens yet to finish on the top step of the podium this season, but only twice out of the eight races have they failed to finish on the podium. Uh, Shea Adam has more news uh, on that uh, charity effort in the 33 car this weekend, Shea. Every lap that a Hyundai leads, they will donate $100 towards that charity effort. So it is a wonderful thing. And it doesn't have to be that Hyundai. It doesn't have to be any of the Brian Herda Autosports Hyundais. It's just a Hyundai. So we have a four-hour race. We have a lot of opportunities and a lot of money that could really go towards something truly wonderful. Uh, and whilst we were waiting to get back underway and since we've been talking, someone's turned, somebody's turned the sun off at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's properly dark now, uh, and uh, the uh, circuit lighting is uh, is now in effect. Uh, you can see the shadows. The car headlights are part of the atmosphere right now as well. Air temperature 24 Celsius, which is 75 in the air. It's still 79 on the track, which is around about 26 and a half. Celsius, so still very pleasant for the cars and looking absolutely stunning. The infield lights here are something new for Indianapolis and on the, the front straight. Uh, uh, this is uh, a new initiative 
to do uh, some after sunset racing here and we'll see the WeatherTech racing into the WeatherTech Championship racing in the darkness this time next year these GT4s and TCRs looking absolutely splendid and you've got to say it the liveries absolutely lead into that Jeremy gone are the days when cars were almost all white or all a single colour the effect of uh, of having wraps and, and aero paint and all that sort of thing has allowed people like Andy Blackmore who's always done good liveries in fairness even uh, with the uh, even with the constraints of having to paint cars but now everybody can let their uh, let their imagination run riot and, and it is a riot of colour fabulous isn't it I mean the cars look sensational so there's a, a super colourful grid and gosh conditions right now that he couldn't couldn't oh, be any brilliant. better for you the sun has set uh, it's still you know it's still you know, um, the gloaming right now so we've still got some light from the sky but not a lot and it's uh, you've still got what 23 minutes remaining in this session a glorious evening here and this is running into this is this is the time where we'll be running into where we will be running into the checkered flag tomorrow yeah. night um, and that's why this session is now um, to give the teams an opportunity to find out what track conditions are like also, yeah. to give our yeah. camera operators uh, and our, uh, our TV colleagues at NASCAR Productions, both on-site and up in uh, Charlotte, the, give them a little bit of a dress rehearsal, as well as the teams, to say, right, OK, now we know what we're going to be able to see. This is what we can see with the, the circuit lights. This is what we're, how we're going to have to talk about racking the cameras. Basically, they're all digital nowadays, and the cameras actually see better than we do in the dark. And it's, you don't have a physical iris of the camera. For those of you who remember your f photography classes when you were at school or when you were interested in it, it's all digitally enhanced. Uh, the cameras nowadays have uh, uh, a photosensitive cell. And it's all very, very clever stuff. And what we're seeing now on our screens here in the Global Broadcast Centre it is a little bit darker out on the circuit but the lights, what I'm seeing here Jeremy I, I kind of like this because what I'm seeing here is not a full lit circuit this is not something uh, that we see, see at Daytona this is far more like Le Mans or the 24 hours of Dubai where there are going to be some dark pockets out there on the road circuit here at IMS. And I and I think for GT and, and prototype racing, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. So do I, yeah. Completely agree with you. And, of course, you know, th this session will go to 8.30 this evening. That's when the, the chequered flag will fall tomorrow evening as well. So you know, this is a great opportunity to, to get tuned up for the end of the race. Yeah, there's no really not much point at this stage in this session for, for any drivers to be out there um, other than the, whoever is going to be closing the race tomorrow. Other than the fact this is a cool place to drive at this time of night. And mm. uh, I'd like to go back to share in the pit lane a couple of things. Um, number one, something significant for the championship here, Shea, because there's a Murillo Racing Mercedes AMG GT4 that I think I saw go behind the wall. Is that the one I thought it was? 
Yeah, it was. That was the 72. So the one leading the way in the points, the one that's looking to be the first car out in front tomorrow night, come the checkered flag in about, what, 20 minutes time from now, 24 hours from now, that car is going back to the garage. I don't think it's actually got time to come back out. The other championship, uh, well, contender, I should say, uh, is still out on the track. That being Vin Barletta and Robbie Foley's number 95 tournament, 96 Turner Motorsports VW, as well as the Rebel Rock Camaro. So they are gathering valuable intel while uh, we have Murillo behind the wall. Very curious. You guys have been talking about darkness, and I actually was given a very interesting tidbit of information earlier on. The official darkness will not be cold during this race. There will be no point in time where two working headlights and two working taillights will be mandatory, oh. and no dark time drive time for any of the drivers. So any driver can drive at any point during the race tomorrow night because they're not going to declare official darkness, meaning that this session right now is not being declared official darkness <laughs> either, even though it has gotten to the point where the headlights are blinding you coming down the pit lane. I, I tell you what, thank you, Shay. That's a really good point. Back in the old days at Le Mans, there used to be a purple light that came on over the start-finish line. Um, when it was officially dark and when you had to put your darkness laps in in practice and, and qualifying and then during the race when you had to have all the lights working. Um, right, okay, that's interesting in terms of working head and tail lights. However, I'm still, I'm still going to say that there are places here where I wouldn't like to be driving around with only one headlight um, because whichever one you haven't got, you're going to struggle to see Aper season and things like that. Uh, let's get back to Shea straight away because she's tracked down Jesse Lazar and she can speak to him now, live here on RSL2 IMSA Radio. All right, Jesse, I want to point something out really cool to you. You look at the pagoda that shows all the numbers. Your number is on top because of a lap time that you turned here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Childhood dream come true? Yeah, no, I've been watching this race for a long time with the Indy cars, and the scoreboard does look really good, but, you know, tomorrow's what counts. Hopefully it's a bit of foreshadowing what we could do tomorrow. We're going to keep learning and keep pushing, and we're going to make it count tomorrow. The McLaren seems like it's really strong the longer the races go on, so how is the four-hour going to be advantageous for Mia? Yeah, no, it, it seems to be strong at every corner at this track so far. We haven't found its weakness, so... We're going to keep going, and I'm, I'm hoping we're even going to make it better so we're strong for tomorrow. Good luck tomorrow getting the first win for the Artura. Yeah, thank you so much. That Artura looks absolutely stunning. Daylight or not official darkness, whatever we're calling it. It's the Mia, a motorsport in action, and uh, Mia, the daughter of the, uh, daughter of the owner of the team. Um, hello Mia, you'll still be up at the moment and she likes to hear her name that car just going down to turn one at the moment it's number 69 car um, what we don't have here in IMSA is uh, in Mr Pilot Challenge is illuminated number panels so that is something that the corner workers and those who are trying to identify cars it, are going to have to be very aware of during the race uh, it's not it has happened before where cars have been misidentified in the darkness and um, I think back to Sebring a few years ago and uh, one of the flying lizard Porsches uh, in Cher will tell me was that 2014 Cher? 
2013? 2014, it was uh, the two factory Porsches. The 912, yeah. I think it was, was blamed. And the 9, uh, no, the 912 was the one that caused the issue. The 911 was blamed, and the 912 went on to win yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and that, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting uh, conundrum that race control is going to have. There are number panels on the side of the cars that are illuminated, and the blue number one on Alice Finsiger, who's just coming to the pits, will say that that's blue, that's GS, and number one is his position. So there are ways, uh, other ways of identifying the cars. For example, the yellow number one will be on the side of the number 33. Now, whether you can see that that is the number 33, the yellow and white Robert Wickens-driven Hyundai Elantra or not, kind of doesn't matter if you have identified that car and that uh, illuminated number panel just in front of the rear wheel as it is on that McLaren. That's, uh, we've got 15 minutes left to go. And it might not be official darkness, Jeremy, but it looks pretty dark to me. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure most of the teams now have uh, their, their closing drivers at the wheel of the cars because uh, th th that's yeah, totally. the, uh, the driver's going to learn most because um, yeah, there's not much point in uh, anybody driving right now in terms of preparation for tomorrow's race other than the fact it's just a really 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 cool thing to do uh, and I think there's I'm looking down you know, looking to see who's at the wheel of which the cars right now there's a few that fall into that category I think but it is cool and uh, look uh, that number number uh, 72 car going behind the wall from Marilla Racing yeah that's not uh, good news not good. Uh, only one car here from Miller, Marilla Racing yes. this weekend the number 56 car was on the entry list up until the last minute and I've uh, been chatting with Eric Foss uh, who's the regular driver of that car. His regular driver, of course, his regular co-driver is Jeff Mosing. Jeff was injured in a, an accident of, a few weeks ago, so he hasn't been able to make it to the last couple of races. But the car has been there, uh, but uh, they, they've uh, decided not to make the trip this weekend. Jeff's uh, already spent a lot of money on his racing. This is the last year for Jeff Mosing and Eric Foss in this championship, and uh, they're now out of the championship reckoning. So uh, Jeff has uh, elected not to allow that car to, to come here this weekend. So Eric's out of a ride. The first race he's missed in a long, 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 long time. Uh, so we certainly miss him. Uh, but it'll be all focused then on that number 72 car, Christian Shimjack and, uh, and Kenny Murillo, uh, and uh, see if they can... You know, they've been out in front in the championship now for much of the season, but that, that gap, as Shay Adam was talking about a little earlier on, has been with whittled down quite dramatically over the last couple of events and now just a 10-point lead over Robbie Foley and Vin Barletta. I think there might be an issue with the Mercedes of Lone Star Racing uh, and their radio to Anton Diaz Pereira because I've just seen one of their pit crew uh, with the approval and assistance of IMSA go to the outside pit wall and wave their guitar-shaped pit board uh, at Anton, uh, so I suspect they've got a radio issue on that car. And also, we have a new top time in TCR. It is another Hyundai Elantra. They are one, two, and three at the moment, but it's a different Hyundai Elantra, Jeremy. It is. Uh, Tyler Maxson, then in the Van der Stur racing, car number 91 goes to the top. Uh, Tyler Maxson and Brian Ortiz will be sharing that car, as they have done for most of the season, not all of the season, uh, but the car has always been fast and 
not had an awful lot of luck on their side in, in, during the races, but the car's always fast, and Tyler is a really talented uh, young man in, in particular, I think, uh, just 18 years of age, from Bogart in Georgia. And uh, Brian Ortiz, he's been around the sport a good bit longer. He's from originally from, well, from Puerto Rico. And they make a really good pairing, and they've, they've been knocking on the door here to, through this uh, the, the latter part of this season. And uh, the best finish, they've just had the one podium finish so far, uh, but they had a couple of fourths and uh, and a fifth and, and a couple of sixths, and they deserve more than that, I think, in that number 91 car for Van der Stur Racing. Also in TCR, you talked about uh, the number 74 car a little while, while ago, Jordan Weiser, and he was maybe having a quick spin somewhere. Jordan's another guy who's an interesting character. He's based in uh, Los Angeles days. He's a kind of a film producer and amongst other things. Uh, he's a, a bit of an entrepreneur, I think, is Jordan, but a uh, really cool character. He's from, originally from Mustang, Oklahoma. What a wonderful place to place name to come from. Uh, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, Jordan. And funnily enough, at the last race at VIR, the sister car, driven, shared by Jacob Diley and Sally McNulty, they both shared a birthday on the same day at VIR. Uh, and uh, also, we should say, and this is particularly uh, appropriate to share in her family, happy Happy New Year, uh, happy Jewish New Year today as well. Uh, it is sunset, so it has started. Uh, and... Uh, for those of you who celebrate, we wish you all the best for the next 12 months and uh, wish you good fortune and good health in the next 12 months. And as I said, starting at sunset. At ten and a half minutes to go. And you're listening to IMSA Radio live. Describing the action in the Michelin Pilot Challenge final practice. FP2 for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway 240. It'll be our feature race tomorrow night. 240 minutes, four hours. It's, I, it is dark. It is very, where's the 33 at the moment? Just coming onto the front straight. And that little section, nine. Uh, sort of 10, 11, 12, 13. That's pretty dark. There's little pools of light on the front straight, which actually look. I, I actually really like this, and it reminds me rather of the uh, the Q8 uh, circuit, the recently built Q8 circuit that I was at for a 12-hour race last year. Reminds me of driving down a city street because it, the pools of light, Jeremy, are almost just like normal street lamp standards, but round the back. It's pretty dark, and you're going to need... There's no way you can have a, a dark visor on. You're going to need your headlights pointing in the right direction tomorrow night for the next half, for the last 20 minutes, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Yeah, no, I mean, those streetlights you talk about on the front street, they're really low, too. They're yes. not even high up. I mean, that's going to be really distracting, I think, from a driver's seat. You flash through them, don't uh, you? You get a yeah, flash yeah. of light, flash of light, flash of uh -huh. light. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, your eyesight's going to be tested here. Uh, tomorrow night, that's for sure. But this is so cool. I just love it. I love it. I think this is great. This, Ooh, this is what I want to see. Switch cameras. Yeah, careful. <laughs> I, was, I, I was wondering what happened there. All of a sudden, the, the um, yeah, was that the that was I think that was second place TCR car, wasn't it? Robbie Wickens. Yeah. That with the with the, sort of the red glowing uh, inside. Inside, yeah. Wow. That's 
Um, now he's again coming round to the end of the lap. In fact, no, he's coming to the pit lane uh, in that uh, Hyundai, carrying the different colours as Jeremy was describing uh, this weekend for the Hyundai Hope on Wheels. Uh, and in fact, it will carry that for this race and for Betty Lamont as well. At IMSA Radio, if you're at the track, let's get some of your nighttime shots up there, please. And let us know where, from where you are watching. Well, I, I can tell there's a Porsche Cayman coming towards us because I can tell the light signature. What's behind that? That's an Aston Martin. It's one of the Team TGM. We are going to have to know our headlights for the last half an hour of the race tomorrow, Jeremy. <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, that is going to be really tricky. Thankfully, uh, manufacturers do like what they call light signatures. They, they do like to bestow their road cars with something that is, um, that is recognisable. So an Audi now coming round. Which one is it? It's the number 61, the Road Shagger racing car in seventh position in TCR. That's John Morley behind the wheel as he... Uh, goes through the far side of the circuit. I think uh, the, in fact, he's just coming on the front straight, isn't he? Uh, that was the car that was quickest in practice this morning in TCR. Yeah. That time this morning was a 32.6, one minute 32.6, quickest time in this evening session. In TCR is a 132.5. That was the lap turn by Tyler Maxson just a few minutes ago in number 91. Scott Andrews for Lone Star Racing, 131.722, last time around, but a drive through penalty for track limits. Now that was the car that had the communic communications issue. It did come in after the guitar was waved at it. Sorry, after the guitar shaped pit board. Was waved at. It's not like somebody, somebody uh, went out there and um, and actually had a full guitar. But it is a guitar shape that car because it's Lone Star Racing. Of course, it is. You know, they're they're all in. It's very good. Um, looks a bit like a Schecter guitar, which will uh, Mark Lecourt will appreciate me uh, mentioning that. I'm sure Mark will be watching. Uh, all listening, hope you're fitting well, sir, and that your racing is, is going well. So down into the last half an hour, sorry, five minutes and 30 seconds. It could be another half an hour because I'm enjoying this immensely. Uh, it is still at the top of the shop, and these times, of course, are bragging rights, but won't set the grid. Jesse Lazar for Motorsports in Action, the Mini McLaren, Ahead of the now in the pit lane, RS1 Porsche, Stephen McAleer, last behind the wheel of the number 28. Austin McCusker for Van der Stur Racing, uh, heads a pair of Aston Martins because the 19 and the 88 of Archangel Motorsports are third and fourth. Uh, those four cars within half a second of each other. Daniel Morad for Wimbledon, we heard him talk to Shea earlier on. That car in fifth position, six tenths away from the lead. Just on nine tenths away, random vandals in the green and white. Number 92 BMW, Kent Cook was last in that car, but they're now in the pits. And Matt Plum for Team TGM is in seventh. BGB and Carbon's BMW, and in fact, Carbon's Porsche. Uh, also, that makes up the top ten in GS. 
Yeah, and that car, the uh, number 93, that is the Porsche that was, uh, was run run earlier by the number 39 team. Uh, Shared this weekend by Cameron Shields, young Australian, making his debut in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series this weekend. Uh, Really good uh, young man is him. And and Brady Golan, just 16 years of age, the youngest driver in the field from Austin, Texas. Brady's been racing this year in the USF Juniors uh, category, the first... uh, step of the USF Pro Championships that leads towards the uh, Indy, Indy, Indianapolis uh, 500 uh, and Brady and Cameron Shields showing up number 93 comes. Surprised there's no no lap times here that are even representative at all towards the sharp end. Um, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm also surprised that there's there's not very many distinctive uh, colours on the sides of these cars or on the roofs or somewhere yeah. like, like you get in most at long distance races that's a good point in, in, I mean yeah, to be fair it's only going to be half an hour or so in, this, in these conditions but it is darn difficult to tell these cars apart and that is why you know, a lot of these teams race also in I know, American Endurance Racing Series AER or, or Lucky Dog or, 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 uh, or Champ Car Endurance whatever it is and they all have all, all sorts of funky colours on the cars to, to distinguish them at night time uh, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, so few the cars have got that sort of distinction. Is this the first time that Pilot Challenge have had what one might call it, although this is not officially dark, but it's a dark session? It's officially dark right now. I mean, it's after sunset, so uh, officially dark. But no, I think it probably is, Johnny, actually. Yes, I can't think uh, of another one. You're back in 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 the current era. Anyhow, I mean, it used to be... In the, the forerunners of what is now the Michelin Pilot Challenge used to be 24-hour races. Yeah. Um, but um, none in the uh, in the recent past. And I can't think, I don't think even at Daytona there was a race that ran into the dark, was there? No, always Friday. I mean, in my yeah. time there, the four-hour race has been the Friday afternoon um, and finishes in, in daylight. When I say officially dark, I mean race control officially oh, dark. Right. It, it is officially dark in terms of sunset and nautical twilight and all the other things that talk about but in, in terms of race control this race does not run in any way into officially dark so there's no requirement for darkness running for the drivers and practice sessions and um, lightning on the cars um, this is just an extension of, uh, of what the race is uh, in that respect but we do get to see glowing brake discs even on the TCRs which you know that to me as far as I'm concerned it's dark and I like uh, you know I, it, it, does it make it a little more difficult for us and for our certainly for our camera operators and uh, for the production team up in Charlotte who do this all off site which is where the TV commentators for national TV here in the US are based as well does it make it more difficult? Yes, it does. Does it make it more difficult for the drivers? Yes, it does. Have I got a problem with that? No, I have not. <laughs> I, I absolutely have not. Get, make sure your lights are pointing in the right direction for the places that you need them to be. There'll be a few. There's one or two cars that I notice have got their headlights pointing out at quite what looks like leery angles, but that's because they haven't got any additional driving lights. That's kind of where you need them. And, yeah. you know, you're picking up the curbs at that point. But And we get to see the lovely blue flame out the back of the Artura as it's going down to turn 
seven at the moment. It does look like the Batmobile on reheat at the moment as it's going through there in what is quite dark condition. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That little, that little uh, end of the the racetrack. That's dark. That is properly, properly dark over there before you start heading back to the front straight. And right now, of course, with nobody. Um, Nobody inhabiting the grandstands. There's not even any um, any light coming in from the, the undercrofts of the uh, of the grandstands either. This mm. is proper darkness endurance racing, yeah. and I see more power to Ipsa for this. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, just Second look at lap times. Yeah, there's a, a, he just stood a 31-0, 31-1 now as he took the chequered flag for Jesse Lazar in that uh, McLaren. There was a 30.2 there for Daniel Morad. Um, uh, there was a 30.8 a little while ago for Robin Liddell, but that 30.2 is by far the quickest lap time I've seen, uh, I've noticed at least, uh, amongst the GS cars in this field. Uh, even uh, Scott, uh, Scott Andrews in the number 27 car uh, didn't improve in, in, the, in the later stage, which is quite surprised. That car's a long, long way down the order in 23rd position, unusually. Uh, and Scott's done, you know, done a few laps early in the session and later on. Um, so yeah, kind of. He, did, he actually did improve. Thirty-one point three yeah. set not too long ago, but that's Correct. good enough only for twenty-third overall. Let's uh, check in with Shea Adam before we wrap things up this evening. Shea, where are you? I'm down in the Alpha World because Roy Block three race wins on the year. The long distance races, those are the ones that I know you want to win a little bit more. How good is your Alpha in the daytime? But then how good is it at night? You know we're Italian. We love Italian, and we love our we, know, we love our nighttime. So we're, we're excited about testing the, that part of the day. Uh, we're just excited to ride in Indianapolis. Uh, fantastic, iconic track. So uh, we're just ready to go. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. And Danita Pont stealing fastest TCR time right at the end for Rockwell Autosport Developments, Jeremy. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, that little team there out in Coltnet, New Jersey, that worked so hard. Uh, they've had all sorts of uh, dramas and disappointments this season, but the cars are generally pretty darn quick. And Denis Dupont, originally from Belgium, based now up in, in Montreal, Canada, he's quick. Uh, and he showed it again right there at the end, and uh, good for him in these conditions. It's not easy to pick your, pick your lines around here. You talked about, John, with those uh, headlights, some of them splayed out wide so you can get a proper grasp of where the apex is. Uh, and the curbs are on this racetrack, and particularly with the track limits being a problem. And even in the dark, we had a couple of, mm. you mentioned a couple of drivers being called up for track limits. So it's not even something you can get past uh, <laughs> uh, in, in, in the darkness. But uh, good for Denny Dupont. Really, really good lap there. 132.546, uh, a massive 0. 0.006 quicker than Tyler Maxson managed in number 91 at Hyundai for Van der Stur racing a little while ago. And he, in turn, was 0. 0.069 ahead of Robert Wickens, the championship leader in car number 33. So the top three cars there in TCR covered by a good bit less than a tenth of a second. Scott Andrews improved for Lone Star Racing on the last lap to a 30.8. Only good enough for 16th in GS. They'll want a little more than that. But the top three cars, make that the top four cars in GS and GT4, separated by under half a second. And it's uh, McLaren with Motorsport in action, that Mia number 69, who takes the top spot in this uh, in this final practice session 
Then it's RS1 with their Porsche in second, just a tenth and a half behind. Van der Ster racing for their Aston Martin in third. They're another two tenths further back. And 0.038 further back, Archangel Motorsports. Billy Johnson in the car at the end. As I say, top four, 69, 28, 19 and 88, separated by 0.431 of a second. Shea Adam was down in the pit lane. Jeremy Shaw was with me, John Hindoff. Thanks to Rob Lomas and Tim Gray, who were twiddling things in London to make sure that we got to the world. And, of course, as always, to our track, uh, to all of our track marshals and flaggers, our camera operators, and our hard-working technical team, both at the track and at... Uh, at Charlotte, North Carolina, at NASCAR Productions. And, of course, to you for listening, whether you were trackside or further afield. Uh, my final message uh, goes to the responsible adult, without whom none of this would happen. Thank you to Eve Hewitt, whose birthday it is today, because it's just after uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. So we've moved into Saturday the 16th. So it is her birthday. Chris and Alan have been on the PA for you all day today. We thank them as well. We'll be back tomorrow for extended coverage of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, including sound and vision, whether you're here in the States or further afield of qualifying, plus all of the other races as well. Have a great Friday evening, stroke Saturday morning, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for joining us on RS2. IMSA Radio. I'm John Hindoff. Good night. God bless. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check IMSAradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.